What up, what up, what up? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, want to thank you and welcome you to another edition of the Charles Coleman Podcast. My name is Charles Coleman. I'm your host. Looking forward to, de- to today's conversation. Got a good show lined up for you today. But before we get started, do yourself a favor. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit that like button at the bottom of the screen if you are watching us on YouTube. If you're listening, wherever podcasts are heard, whether that's Spotify, whether that's Apple Podcasts, whether that's Amazon Podcast or Pandora, wherever podcasts are heard, you can find us. We are your new home for Black Brilliance. Come get with us. We're not just all the way up. We're not just outside. We're in hyperspace. So do yourself a favor and make sure you're liking and following the Charles Coleman Podcast. Got a great show lined up. Super excited about the Dream Team. And today is special because, you know, we always have like these conversations about like, remember like when bands always change members? Well, we have some of the originals today, like the original Dream Team members. I love my entire Dream Team contributors. They are all amazing. But I'm super excited because I've got one of the OGs of the OGs in the house today. To my right, y'all are going to love her. Y'all should have met her before now, but y'all going to meet her today. The OGs of the OGs. She's the loudmouth from down south, the sister that I never knew that I needed and really didn't want, but got anyway. Hillary Powell's in the building, y'all. <laughs> I do. I took a lot of time to think about that intro with you. Can't uh, nobody sing like Eddie Kane Jr. <laughs> and you already stopped. I'm so excited to be here. You I have am, no idea. I am so excited yeah, to have you on thank the couch. You for me. It's good to see you. Always good to be here. Uh, and of course, one of my oldest shooters. Y'all know him. Y'all have come to love him. He's Mr. Style and Performance himself, Emerson's finest. We got DJ CEO in the building. Mr. High Energy. What is happening? How are you, my dude? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. You mentioned Emerson, so I want to give a big shout out to my man, Ramel Bradley. Uh, this is his new brand, Goth, Gods of the Hills, representing Clint Hills. We're going to stop right there. I just want to do that real quick. I'm do, sorry. We're going to stop right there. Do I have something coming to me? I got you. Don't worry about it. Because uh, like I just got this like recently. There's like, a name on the wall, right? I and got like, you. I got you. Don't worry about it. When people go to download stuff, they say like, yay. I got you. No, the I, Charles Coleman You're taken care of. Don't worry about it. All right, because that's, that's like a lot of free advertising we just gave. Nah, it's my, it's my man 50 grand, so I had to... No you get two. You get two choices. You can either pump your own shit, like Lafayette and Grand, or you could like I pump them in. I'm always gonna pump Lafayette and Grand, but I always want to make sure I spread it throughout the community. That's all. I won't community do it again. Advertising. I get what you're saying. I won't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you're all good. I, we support black business out here, so yeah. shout out to Ramel. Like I, I'm not even a hater like that. So we're all good. Um, so I had a thought. And I had a situation I got to tell you guys about. Because, you know, y'all, this is like, this is my confessional space. This is mm-hmm. the space where I come to tell the truth. So I realized that I was low-key Eric LaSalle. I was in a... No, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Hold on. I was low-key Eric LaSalle. I was in a Daryl moment. I, I had an okay. epiphany. Check this out. So I was in Atlanta. And this was from years back, right? Mm-hmm. But I was in Atlanta and I ran into a young lady who I knew from way back. Mm-hmm. And we started talking about a situation. And I realized it was an Eric LaSalle situation, a Daryl situation from Come to America. Peep this. So I met Shorty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we started talking, whatever. I met her through a mutual friend. All I see right now is you with a Jerry Curl. That's it. That's you got it. Okay, so I'm Eric LaSalle. He, he did paint the picture. I'm Eric LaSalle minus the Jerry Curl, okay. right? So I meet Shorty mm-hmm. through a mutual friend. Start, you know what I'm saying, kicking the Willie Bobo. It's all good. The Willie Bobo. Willie wow. Bobo. Yeah, we're going with the we throwback. Yeah, okay. All right. 
So I talked to my man who introduced us, and I was like, yo, I want to do something nice for Shorty. Now, he's known her for years. I said, yo, do me a solid. I said, I'm going to send you some bread. Like, send something out, send something to her crib for me. Like something nice, like because he's down there in the area, so I figured he would know mm-hmm. where to go, flower shop or whatever. I didn't want to do no like one eight hundred florist or whatever. So I get a call like two days later, and Shorty's like, "Yo, this was amazing. Thank you for the gifts, so on and so forth." And then so she sends me. I was like, "Oh, well, let me see it," because mm-hmm. I didn't want to. I my man never told me what he got. Right, right. So. Shorty saw sending me a bunch of photos in like panties and negligees. Oh, wow. Yikes. Mm. Right. So then I called my man. I'm like, yo, bro. <laughs> I, and I'm like, I'm like, you know, meanwhile, in my head, well, even talking to him, I'm like, yeah, you know, that looks good on you. I can't wait to see it on you. Da, 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 da. That looks great. That was the direction you were going. That was what you wanted to do initially. Of course. I, well, no, no, no. I didn't necessarily want it. I wanted to get there with Shorty, but I didn't tell him to go get lingerie. So I'm like, oh, he really stepped it up. It's a creep squad. Go ahead. I'm don't sorry. do that. Wow. Don't, don't, do, don't do You went from Eric LaSalle to um, right. creep. To uh, what's the dude on Love and Hip Hop? Yes. I yeah. don't watch. I don't, so, oh, well, yeah. right. So they, they would know. We won't plug them. Yeah. But they Guns would know. of Peters. Guns <laughs> of Peters. So anyway, <clears throat> I called my man. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo, good looking out. You, you know what I'm saying? You set me up right, blah, 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 blah. He says, I didn't get around to that yet. Duh. <laughs> right. Oh my God, yo. So now I'm in a pickle because I've claimed this gift. That's yeah. why I said to Eric. Oh, with the with the awful. Now you get it. Now you get it with the movie earrings. Yeah, right. Yeah. Women in Byron, yeah. not Daryl. Yeah, exactly. right? Not Daryl. <laughs> right. So Shorty is like responding to me like she ain't talking to nobody. Mm-hmm. Right, that's the impression that she's mm-hmm. trying to give me. I didn't care one way or the other, mm-hmm. but now I was like, "How do I go back and tell her?" And so, we ended, anyway, we ended up falling out of touch. Mm-hmm. And then, so when we ran into each other, she told me the story as if I was a liar. This time, because like, we hadn't seen each other, or we kind of fell out of contact. So when she figured out it wasn't you that sent. So it. eventually, okay. somebody else took credit for the lingerie that she sent me pictures mm-hmm. of. And she came at me like I lied to her, mm-hmm. and that's why she stopped talking to me. Meanwhile, I didn't realize she stopped talking to me. I just got busy and was like, right, right. okay, whatever, right, whatever. And it was just like, yo, I had an Eric Lasalle moment. You did. You definitely you, did. I mean, like literally, you can die now. Really? That only. I mean, Eric Lasalle. I mean, that's the pinnacle of like. Wasn't he on like General <laughs> Hospital? Ridiculous. Nah, he was on e- ER. I- ER. See, this is the thing. Yeah. If you don't know what he was on, we didn't <laughs> in the conversation, yeah. right? I didn't even know how to tell Shorty, nah, your hot ass was getting lingerie from somebody well, else. Well, you were just me. mad she had hoes. She had a lot of them. There's a lot of y'all, a stable. I, I can't say hoes but on when you're, but you also, say hoes on here. Oh, okay. But also, when you're single, I mean, it's not necessarily out of the realm of options to take credit for somebody else's shit as long as you get a W. Wow. Really? I would never think it's to do not. that. No, it's I not. I wouldn't want somebody to take it's care not, of my I don't mean like you intentionally go out like, let me see how I can leverage somebody else's shit. But if it falls <laughs> in your lap. If it falls in your lap. What yeah. is this show I'm on? <laughs> it's, the, it's the realest shit you ever be on. So <laughs> We're going to move on. We're going to move on uh, to our shortcuts. These are our hot topics, things that are on the mind. Sometimes we have a little fun. Sometimes they're news and views and opinions about things that we don't always talk about, but... 
aren't front of the mind, things that we should be discussing, things that I think are a little bit fun, and then sometimes things that are topical and interesting to get into. So the first one, I actually do want to have a little fun with this. I'm going to have a little fun at first. Because like I said, I was in Atlanta. So I went to Atlanta and I was in somebody's house and I saw, I, this is 2023. Mm-hmm. And I was in somebody's house and I went into the kitchen and I saw that big ass, uh, the, the, the wooden spoon mm-hmm. and fork mm-hmm. on the wall. <laughs> right, right, right. I, it was on the wall in 2023. Mm-hmm. Blackish I've seen in It's like a ever. family heirloom now. Yeah, that's a that's a relic. That is. It, it, I mean, there's a lot of black that we took from the '80s and we bought forward, but mm-hmm. I just I, I hadn't seen that one. Mm-hmm. So it got me thinking, what's the blackest shit you got in your house right now? Like super black. Right now, blackest shit you got in your house? Uh, Queen Helene's cocoa butter. Queen Helene's co- is it is it because it's cocoa butter or is it because it's Queen Helene's? No, no, Queen Helene's. Queen Queen Helene's. Is it like having a green jar of Ultra Sheen? Yes. Okay. It never runs out. You know this cocoa butter. Yeah. It's in the brown and cream. Oh, and that and one. Yes. And dark skinned people, I don't even know why you had that. Because you can't use we that. We cannot use. I that. can tell you why. Because it, it's one of those things. It's almost like a house homie gift that <laughs> that everybody <laughs> accepts. Eric nobody LaSalle? uses. Like, who gave that to you? But it's just one of those things what that ends up in the house. It just comes in the house. You know, you, you buy a house, right? And you okay. ask the preacher to come by and they bless it. There you like, go. And it, it just, that and comes in with it. That. It just comes with what, it. What, did it come with like Janine Nate and like pink lotion? Janine, wow. Janine. Um, <laughs> 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 it's not, it's, it's just one of those, it's just in there. Like, you know. Who, wh- where, who gave this to you? I don't know. It's been there since 85. It like, just comes with the house. It just house. comes with the like house. You open the bathroom cabinet and it's in there. And you don't get rid of it. If you, you didn't you know. not. Like your house will burn down if you get rid of it. <laughs> if, like, you, if you didn't know who lived in the house, you just show, like you walk you in the house and like, who lives here? Yeah. Right? You would know. And then you see, like, oh, black, like, black people. Black, yeah. it's like a black people, book. you see it and you're like, black people were involved. It's like the dream book. Okay. Okay. When you go in there, you know. It's like, you know, underground railroad type stuff. It is what? a Bible in the hotel for there black people. Okay, shout out to the Gideons. <laughs> what about you? Blackest thing in your house? Probably for me, the blackest thing in my house is, okay, so do you remember when your grandmother or your mom used to have that Folgers can of baking? Girl. Listen, wait. <laughs> yeah, yes. You're already judging me. Okay. I, it's not judgment, it's black, but I just want just I'm trying so, to understand. You know, they had the can of Folgers with the bacon drippings in it. Yeah. So now on Amazon, you can get like a cute can. Like it's it's stainless steel. It has a top on it. It has a strainer in it. You know, you can My do mouth duck is wide fat. open right Listen, now. Listen, you mm-hmm. can do duck fat, you can do all kinds of things. But like I admittedly have an animal fat. Can in my house, and I feel like the reason my food tastes amazing is because sometimes I just take a little, get it with it, get it with it. It's a little razzle dazzle. Did you peep how she said duck fat? She wants yeah, to so, know she wants some bullshit. So, shit. so she couldn't just say, just, "Yeah, you got to." This is not really black. Yeah. This is very like African American. Absolutely, that's the whole point. Absolutely, that's why. Yeah. I was, oh, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Saying? We talk about blacks, and you black said, it. "Well, the most well, African American tradition." But I went to college. Forget the duck fat. African American. <laughs> you went to college. I did. Forget okay. the duck fat. She used money to buy something specifically for this animal <laughs> fat. It's Whereas the black part, what is like whatever's around the that grease. can hold this. That's whatever it is. Thirty dollars I've ever spent. And you feel good about that. I, I mean, amazing. I'm fortified by it. <laughs> like, it's an ancestral, like, it's a relic. Like you said, it's something that, like, 
the ancestors are in there and they walk by it in my kitchen and they smile. And they bless it. Absolutely oh. they do. I, you know, I thought about that among the list of black things that people be having. And I never would have in a million years guessed that you would have had. I had one? I know. Never. Unassuming. I am. I'm like just so multifaceted. It's why people hate me. Because it's just like, it oh is my one God, of those things. we that, that you is, were, oh my God, but yeah. you are. But oh wait, no, she's, yeah. That's that's definitely one of the I reasons why people just like you, for sure. <laughs> for, me, for me, I had to think long and hard about this because I took the plastic off my furniture a while ago. Uh, <laughs> it's, no, you didn't. It, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> so, it's I have the cabinet of paper bags. Uh, of plastic bags. Yes, yeah, yes, I, got, I got the cabinet yes. of plastic bags. Why you don't throw out the plastic bags and just recycle them? I don't know. I but uh, I we were the first recyclers. So that's the thing. I guess we do not get true. a lot of credit for the things that, that, is that a we fact. pioneered in America. Like we we got all you know Black History Month coming up. But really, like, we pioneered a lot of things. Like, this green movement, that was us. Tupperware, country crock containers with, like, red beans and rice in Reuse it. That's us, baby. The yeah. fancy cookies that got saying? everything in it but yeah, cookies. Yeah, the, 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 the Danish butter cookies. The Danish butter cookies. Don't, don't, you turn into a sewing can? Yeah. yeah. That was us. That's us. Repurposing is a that's way us. of life. Yeah. That's us. So, yeah, that's the blackest thing in my crib is the... Cabinet with lots of. I get it. That's pretty black. Bags. Yeah. That's pretty black. That's black as. As opposed to going on Amazon and buying something for the bags. See, that would be African American. That would be African American. This is why I don't come to New York. Too much judgment. <laughs> I want to know. I yeah, I gotta find. I wonder how many of my friends are black and how many of my friends are African American. <laughs> and how many are both? Hey, most of us are both. That most Alter, of us are both. Most of us. For me, it just depends. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move on to our next shortcut. Um, this is a, a very different switching of the gears, um, but I did want to have this conversation with you guys. One of the things that prompted this conversation was there was a lawsuit in the state of Virginia, uh, and it was a lawsuit around police violence where a individual, he was actually a veteran, a, a Marine, who was pepper sprayed um, mm -hmm. during a stop by police. He had sued for... A million dollars. He asked for a million dollars. And the jury ended up awarding him like like $3,600, like $3,600. This video, the video was not good. He is not resisting in the sense of like he's trying to run. He's at a gas station, right? And so I'm just wondering with everything that we've seen and continue to see, when you see something like that, where, and, and, and just by the way that I'm, I'm telling you guys the legal part of it, the legal part of it is they did find that these officers were liable for assault and battery. But when you see a verdict like that, do you think that we have gotten, as a country, desensitized to police violence? Absolutely. You think so? Absolutely. I mean, it's America... And now with social media, we are slaves to the moment. Like literally everything is a momentary thing. It's all fleeting. You know, we see it, we feel it for a second, and then we move on. Like we 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 have very short attention spans with most things. You think about like what we're doing right now, people can't sit down and watch something for longer than a certain amount of time. So absolutely police violence when, you know, it became widely publicized back now, we're looking at 10 years ago. From that point to now, people see the story, they immediately have the knee-jerk 
response and you get the onslaughting of all the posts about how heinous it is. And then next week, we've moved on to talking about celebrities. So like CEO, what what do you think about that? Do you think that we've like become <coughs> desensitized to police violence in like in a way that just, you know, makes it not as big what it of what it used to be? Uh, it's kind of complicated. It's layers. I'll just say this. In general, in America, we're completely desensitized to violence. I mean, the country was founded on violence from day one to now. So we're desensitized even more now, um, as Hillary was saying, due to our access to it as well, right? Because I think we talked about this before. It's like, remember, you had to go get the faces of death uh, tape to see violence yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right now, it's just everywhere. So there's that. As far as police violence, we're really only speaking to it. We cannot speak about police violence without speaking about race, right? We're not going to ever talk about police violence towards white folks because it doesn't happen, right? Um, so the we are desensitized to violence against black people, period. Whether it's coming from police, whether it's coming from each other, whether it's coming from uh, rogue uh, citizens who feel like they have to police their neighborhoods when they see black people and all that type of stuff. We're desensitized to all any violence towards black people. So I think what CEO was saying really speaks to the history of this country and our psychology and our behavior around it from the beginning. And when you think about violence against black bodies, like you said, that's where we started, right? Mm. This is not pivotal. You know, this is not anything new. This is not... So you think it's always been normalized and so this is not anything desensitized. It's just what it is what it is. So I think what... I think the difference in then and now is that we feel like we have some recourse then there was really nothing we could do about it but accept it because of, you know, our position in this country. So now... And, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The, and we have ocular evidence to support what it is that we've been saying has been going on the whole time. So Absolutely. We, so we think that because we have this evidence now and you can see it, even though we've been telling you what's happening, that somehow your reaction to it should be different than before when you couldn't see it, but we were still telling you this is the reality. Right. Old habits die hard. We know that that's not cliche. That's a real thing. But we also realize that the same things that are ingrained in us psychologically are ingrained in them. They've been committing the violence. Mm -hmm. We've mm -hmm. been accepting and receiving the violence. It's going to take a minute for those two things to like eventually turn a corner. You said it takes a minute. Do you, did that suggest that it, you believe it's possible? So you believe it's possible to turn the, to turn the corner? If you're saying that, look, this is historically where we've been and where we've come from, is it realistic to think we can turn a corner? Because my question would be, well, goddamn, when does that turn? When does that corner turn? I believe in human evolution. I mean, I would be a fool to say that people cannot change, things cannot change. But I do think that we are in America. And I have to say, you know, as a queen, I'm not going to just give my throne away. You know what I'm saying? So mm. these people have a position of power <laughs> that they're not going to just hand over. And I think that that's the delusion that a lot of people generally, not just black people, have about power. I get it. You show them a picture and they're like, yes, I run things around here. I don't really give a shit. You know, like, what do you want me to do about it? This right. is what we do over here. This is Deal what we with do. it. Yeah, well, <clears throat> this is what we do. And so given that, I mean, that's a really interesting takeaway. And I do think it hits a point in terms of the idea of like, look, Part of the consequence, if you will, 
of something not being desensitized is that now you have to approach it and deal with it at a level that requires you to do something. And when it's not to your benefit to do that, it's unlikely that you will. We got to move on. Um, that's going to bring us to our contributor segment. Today, we've got a good one. We've got habitually Hillary. This is, yeah, 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 girl. Yeah, girl, do it, girl. This is your time to wax poetic about the things that have been on your mind, things you want to talk about. So what you got for us today? What are we talking about? So I want people to start training their staff again. I am so tired of receiving awful customer service. I am so tired of going into stores. Like, I'll use a hard, I won't say the name of the hardware store, but I remember a time you could go in this particular hardware store where people wear orange, and <laughs> they legit, you could ask- I ain't gonna say no names, but like right. this restaurant where they serve Big Macs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, where you would go in there and you could ask any employee. It could be a checker, it could be a stock person, yeah. it could be someone on the aisle. You could say, where are the CB3 washers with the black side that have Jesus walks on the back. And they will be out 19. If you look down four shelves, they'll be right mm -hmm. there to in the your bin, right. And bend 20. Bend 20. They know. You go in there now, nothing. Mm -hmm. They look at you like, I don't know what you're talking about. I asked a person in a, a store where you like um, buy fabric. Mm -hmm. I said, do you know where hooks and eyes are? Now, do we know what hooks, do you know what a hook and eye is? Yes. You know what a hook and eye is, I know right? what a hook is. I know what a hook <clears throat> is. What's the I eye? Figure I figure Okay, so think about eye. when you, a bra, right? Oh, There's yes. The hook oh, gotcha, gotcha. And gotcha, the gotcha, eye, yeah, right? Yeah, but yeah, you would gotcha. think that someone who worked in a store where you sell fabric and novelties and thread would know what a hook and eye is, right? Mm -hmm. Literally, she had no clue what it was. I had to go and find it myself, and then I came back, and I was like, you know what, Hillary? Don't just complain. This is a teachable moment. I had to show her what hook and eyes were. Like, it's really African-American. Like, I have turned into an auntie. Said, no, I have turned into an auntie. Black no, no, people would be a, like a latch. Mother. Where's the latch? You know, the, the latch, the closet, the latch. That's what <laughs> Well, bottom line is, I am sick of it. And mm -hmm. I really think that the greed has created this issue. They cut and forewent training people mm -hmm. to, like, save money. And now we have to endure this horrible customer service. We surrender our money to these people. And we really, like... It's terrible. So I got I, I have two questions for you on this. The first one is, what is your expectation? And I'm just I'm really just asking from a baseline because if people are fighting against paying minimum wage, what are your expectations around how much they're going to pay to train their employees, particularly if they believe that you're going to still spend money with them? That's question number one. And then question number two. So like you know. Is customer service in, a, in an age where wages is such a conversation for employers to pay their employees? Like, is that realistic? If I'm making $12 an hour, I'm not making a, a livable wage or what I don't think is a livable wage, then I'm going to take the notion of customer service seriously. And then number two, would you and do you pay more for outstanding customer service when you find it? I absolutely do. I try to avoid those low vibrational places. I don't go there. Yo, that is the I don't go there. I, I, don't, I don't see go ugly there. things. I don't go places where I cannot be treated with dignity. Wait, did you say you don't see respect. ugly things? I don't. I don't see ugly things. So if you put something ugly in front of me, I can see it. I don't see my... I'm blind to ugly things. I'm blind to bad behavior. Like, I just don't see them. So 
<laughs> these things are problematic when they're forced upon me. Mm. Now I have to look at this ugly thing. Think about it. Fine dining, for instance. Okay, you're talking about people who need to be paid a living wage. Well, do you expect that this person who has only ever made $10 an hour has eaten a, a $90 steak? No. So you have to train them. You have to talk to them about this experience that the customer or client that's coming into this restaurant is expecting. And if you don't, the customers are going to suffer. Your restaurant's going to close because people are not going to come in there anymore. I think that's. I think that that's more applicable to services. Like when you talk about restaurant because you're providing yeah. a service. I definitely mm -hmm. think that that's true. Yeah. But when you start talking about like goods, yeah, I feel like people are a little bit more lenient because like, do you have what I need or not? Well, the checker who doesn't know what broccoli is, like she holds something up and asks me what wait, is. Wait, wait, wait. I'm literally. Bro what is broccoli? How much it costs? What it is. Like, I was like, wait. What it that's is. That's what I said. I was like, wait, what? Was this a human and it being? Could not, this absolutely was a human being and an older human being. Someone she may have been, well, she looked to be. She may have had a hard life. She she, <laughs> she looked to maybe be 50. It wasn't broccoli. It question. was like broccolini, right? Uh -huh. It was like smaller <laughs> broccoli, but still broccoli, right? Uh -huh. In the broccoli family. Yeah. She said, what is this? And I'm thinking, you work here at the store. You should know what this is. Can I ask you a question? In your experience, do you find this more prevalent post-pandemic or pre-pandemic? Because and the reason why I ask this question mm -hmm. is because, as you very well know, after you know, post twenty twenty, a lot of people have been very reluctant to come back to the workforce in yeah. person. Yeah. So and now they're hiring people, just everybody, they, just to yeah. fill in spaces. So you, think you got a post, post, son? Huh? You got a post? Oh, you, you hired? Yeah. You good? You in? So you feel like that's more more prevalent now than it was before? I think service was on the decline prior okay. to the pandemic, and mm -hmm. now it is in the gutter. Gotcha. I mean, that's that's just how I feel about it. it we slumming now. It's terrible. What's your like model? Because like I've talked to people, I talk to G about this a lot. <laughs> like we talk about customer service. Some people, we're not trying to pub any particular brands necessarily. Right, right, right. But what was the last like customer service experience that you could say was the exemplar of? Okay. what you would want. So I'll use my bank, for instance. I have a regional bank. I was going to ask about banking. And you know, you have to have your international, national bank, whatever. You guys are business people, so you mm -hmm. understand. My regional bank, I would never get rid of my regional bank. Because when I walk into that bank, they call me they by name. They know who you are. They mm -hmm. know who I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure. Also, my gym. My gym. And I don't, and I don't care that it's because I scanned the barcode or whatever. The Is that the same gym? Different gym. Well, actually, okay, so that gym's great. But for that, for funny that story, y'all. Funny story, y'all. Yes, a couple you years did. ago, yes, you did. yours truly, the you civil did. rights attorney, had to step in on my sister's behalf because the gym was playing games with her. So they were. The fact that you're saying you're yeah. getting this service now, I'm just, you well, know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Good job. See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? For me, customer service is not, I don't believe it's, validated until it's been tested. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So okay. I think that initially, if you really want to create an environment where you feel like, or you want me to feel like you value me as a customer, mm -hmm. sure, all of the things you've talked about are critically important. But where the rubber really meets the road is when I have an issue, how do you act about resolving it? Yes. That is where, for me, customer service is critical. Like, what level of dedication, I, I see. Don't, you don't, you're not supposed to bring attention to okay. it. Okay. What level of dedication do you have to actually fixing the issue in a way that makes me feel like you actually value my business? The mm -hmm. reconciliation is very much so yeah. important. 
Well, that is going to do it for Habitually Hillary. Customer service, y'all. Step y'all game up. Thank you for today's contributed segment, which is going to bring us to our main conversation today. We're super excited about that. But before we get there, make sure you do yourself a favor. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button down at the bottom of the screen. If you are watching us on YouTube, if you're listening on Pandora, Apple Music, Amazon Podcast, Spotify, any of the above, the Charles Coleman Podcast, this is the new home for black brilliance. We're not just outside. We're not just all the way up. We're in hyperspace. So come get with us. Make sure you are liked. Make sure you are subscribed and make sure you are sharing what it is that we got going on. So our main conversation today, um, I'm very excited to have this with both of you guys because for those of you who don't know, we are running a triangle offense, but we are running the bison beatdown today. This is the bison bully on the couch that we got going. We got three bison on the couch, three, Mm -hmm. not just HBCU people, not just African American <laughs> college graduates, right? We, we've got we got three Howard University folks on the couch. So, and I love the jacket, by the way. Thank you. For those Thank of you. y'all who are not who are not watching the show, but who are listening, again, you're doing yourself a disservice because CEO is right on code today with the jacket for today's conversation. There's been so much in the news about HBCUs. Like, if you remember during the pandemic. It was almost like America rediscovered HBCUs. Yeah, it was a little corny. I get it. It was a lot of like, oh my gosh, let's support historically black colleges. Pandering. Yeah, it was a lot of like, these Negroes have schools to go to. Wow. Right. Right. So there was a lot of like rediscovery of HBCUs, obviously, which have been there. We've been there. We've been outside. Mm -hmm. But now- Mostly by other Negroes, though. That part. That part. Yeah. And you can discuss that. But now there is another sort of wave that has hit on the heels of that sort of self-discovery and in America's racial reckoning, which was tethered to this conversation about HBCUs. There is dirty laundry that is being exposed. Yes. And a lot of it is coming from the area of athletics and sort of infrastructure and conversation about sort of what HBCUs do to manage their money, to manage their campuses, to manage their facilities, to manage everything that they have. And there are all kinds of different opinions from different areas. You get people who ain't set foot on an HBCU campus who got everything to say about everything. Mm -hmm. You get some HBCU alums who are like, you know, well, it's about time that this stuff get aired out. And then you get some people who are like, yo, stop airing our dirty laundry, particularly if you ain't really, really part of being on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yes. So as three people who are in that universe, connected to that space, who've been following this conversation from all different angles, I really wanted to talk about, like, is it a good thing when our HBCUs get aired out? Personally, I think that there is a certain demographic of the culture, Black culture, that likes to just critique Black people okay. about everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a criticism, a critique an analysis about everything. doesn't matter what it is. Specifically about- Think peace, Negroes. Always, but can't think, but peacing. (laughs) See what I'm saying? A lot of peacing, little little thinking. thinking. See what I'm saying? So for me, that is something that I am desensitized to, is always listening to what someone has to say. Because first of all, I'm a person who, I pay 
I send my money back to the institution because I can vouch for what it has done for me in my life. Nigga said the institution. Did you say like not, the not, university? Not that institution, but I, you know. Yeah, I get Ohio it. Ohio Learning, Howard University. Yeah. We'll speak. Alma mater. Like, we can say that. Yes. We yeah, can say Howard. Yeah. I, I'm trying to, you know, make sure I'm not, but we can say that here. Okay. Um, but we're always talking to people who have no nothing to contribute. But nothing, criticism. But but the, but criticism. That's all they have. There's never a solution. There's never any work that they're willing to do, but they can always point out that work part. what the problem is. Yeah. That's the main issue for me. The other issue is I can totally remember summers as an intern coming to New York to some of those other 150 plus year old institutions and realizing how quickly I was ready to get back down <laughs> five to my HBCU right. because there were rats and roaches and hot dog water permeating, the pipes were bursting, it was clogs in the bathroom. I mean, all of these things. It's a 150-year-old building. Right, right. It's going to have issues. I mean, I grew up in a historic home. My parents were constantly having to do something. Mm. Without money, that's impossible. These schools are running on, like, gas and fuels. And, but, but... There's tons of complaints. And I feel like every time someone... And they thinks, can't even manage their own house, let you, alone... There you go. Now, yeah. that's the thing. And the other thing about these people is if you had taken these little kids who get on the internet and complain about this school that they're now... And if you would taken them over to their grandmother's house or their cousin's house, they would recognize that, like, you know, some people have roaches. So what, do you, what, <laughs> what, so what do you think when you see that? Because that's another thing that's different from when we were in school. It wasn't necessarily that the conditions were significantly worse or better. In fact... I think we understood, for example, that we weren't entitled to a dorm room that was hardwired for Wi-Fi. We right. weren't entitled to, you know, brand new central AC. Mm-hmm. But that was a function of the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of understand that. But now one thing that I've seen recently is that the kids, the students, the people on campus, young people mm-hmm. will air out the university in a way that just has no regard for anything. Do you think, yay for these students for using their voice or like, yo, this is not the way to do that? Well, first of all, students um, at any institution, particularly black schools, using their voices, not only for what's going on outside of the campus, but what's going on on the campus is not new. Like it's always been a protest in front of the A building. Yeah, okay. It's usually about administrative stuff, less about like maintenance and sanitation, right? Um, So I find it um, interesting. It's never, this discussion is never black and white, right? So I find it very interesting that, that these are the issues that are being highlighted when they've always existed. I mean, you were at Howard a a year or two before me, we were at Howard at the same time, so we've pretty much shared the same experiences. There's always been something, right? But we were so just excited and happy to be on this campus, this illustrious university. And and yes, we're speaking for Howard, but I'm sure other HBCUs can say the same thing, right? And we look at, what these universities have done in spite of the conditions for these students. Like, I'm not about to like raise hell about this. Do I want better, uh, a better environment? Yes. But this is the same environment for us to speak, you know, particularly that produce a Thurgood Marshall. This is this, you know, so I don't like it's, it's, I get it because nobody wants to live like in squalor. Like right. if you see what's going on in the airing out Jackson state with all like the whatever, but to her point, these buildings are old. Like some things are just gonna get missed. Do you yeah. do you do you feel differently when it is, for example, from someone who 
is in the athletic context when they could potentially attract money. Because the argument, for example, and I ain't trying to air nobody out necessarily, but there's been conversation about Ed Reed at Bethune-Cookman and then Prime situation at Jackson State. Mm -hmm. Neither of them went to HBCUs. Ed Reed went to the University of Miami. Prime went to Florida State. And some people have said, well, these are people who through their work and their efforts could actually be bringing dollars in. And so we need to listen to them or we need to allow them to have a voice or when they express it publicly, it's just in the HBCU's best interest to to appreciate that criticism Mm -hmm. because on the other side of that, if you address it, are dollars. And then there are other people who are like, nah, son, like you ain't, you ain't from here. We appreciate your work, but we don't need you, need you. Like, does that matter to you? The fact that these are CEO, you talked about like young people Mm -hmm. on campus, but what about adults who are in that space, but not of that space? Well, you know, we, we, here we go. A, A lot of talking heads again, a lot of poor people talking about money. That's always that's always the other thing. Like, I need a boss. We're gonna, we're gonna talk. To, we're gonna let poor people analyze money for us, right? The OG speaks, and when the OG says what the OG says, the OG says it. I knew that was coming. Oh, good. Like I'm not surprised. Like I, because because some people might hear and be like, "Yo, son, just said yes." That's she said what she said, and she meant it, and she will likely say it again. So don't be surprised. And they want you to run behind dollars, right? What, oh, he got money. He going whatever to you. Mm. But you know what? I'm building my life on a lot of tenacity. Like I, like, like these people who you talk about, Thurgood Marshall mm. and all the esteemed alum that we can just roll off of our tongues. Money wasn't the focus. Mm. Mm. That's very true. It wasn't. It was not the focus. And it can't be the focus because you know why? No matter what we get, I will tell you, I sat with those guys who opened, who bought the Waldorf Astoria in... Washington, D.C., Morehouse graduate. Mm-hmm. Rich. Flex. Plenty of money. Flex. But let me just tell you something. Our HBCU connection, our cultural connection, was the reason that he extended the olive branch to me. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. We have never been able to build because, oh, the resources are there. We've never had the resources, and we'll never have as much as them. We so, won't, the argument, so we can't let that be the focus. So that argument it doesn't really to hold me, a lot of water. It falls to you. flat for me. It falls mm-hmm. flat for me because I'm also looking at somebody most of the time who doesn't even understand like what they're talking about. Like, I don't talk about money with people. I don't even really have to discuss what I have or any of that. But the reality is most of these people who are on the internet talking. Come on now. Yeah. That's I mean, you're not even qualified. They are for... totally trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. If that. If that. I think that that's a really interesting point. And, and one that I hadn't considered. But I do think, and this is something that we see all the time, there are a lot of people who just are not qualified to let, to weigh into that discussion. Well, that is that is the foundation of social media. There we go. You the majority of people qualified. who talk are not qualified to speak. And I think if we took out or we separated the numbers of people who weren't qualified to weigh in on this conversation from any angle, mm-hmm. you're talking about HBC, HBCU athletics, not only did you not go to an HBCU, but you're not athletic. And you don't know anything <laughs> oh, about that, right? right? So there's that, right? You're talking about HBCU, higher education, administration. Not only did you not go to an HBCU, but you don't know the ins and outs. And I'm speaking as a former Howard University Board of Trustee member, like real talk, right? So you don't understand the complexities of what it is to actually run 
a university and the intricacies of it, and yet you want to publicly sort of have this commentary about what HBCUs should and should not do. Lambast is what they do. From Appalachian State. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, so there's, so there's that part, right? Like, at a certain point, I feel like it is a family discussion. Yeah. And know your place. Yeah. Like, know your lane. Maybe if you get a chance to sit in the room, you should appreciate the fact that you have that opportunity mm -hmm. to be a fly on the wall and you're not getting kicked out the room because you're yeah. a cousin. Yeah. But understand that your place may not necessarily be with the microphone telling us, HBCU alums, how and what should be done and the way to do it. I, I want to say this. We do also have to be careful with silencing justified questions or points made that could benefit us that may come from outsiders. Even though I know it's sort of like, I could talk about my sister, but you can't talk about my sister. Right. I get it. Where you do that Where matters. Where you do that though. matters. But here's the, here's the thing, particularly with HBCU athletics. And I can speak on this as a former college athlete. Right. And transferring into Howard, right? Um, I know firsthand that, well, particularly with Howard, because that that's not our, our lane, right? But you know, the athletic department is a shit show. It was. It's gotten a lot better. Sure. But it was a shit show. And and anybody who's been involved with athletics and HBCU will tell you, like, it's always a shit show. So a lot of stuff that's happened, like, with Dion and with Ed Reed, a lot of folks are like, mm, kind of not surprised. But in true form, we kind of, like, had these conversations intimately. We wasn't taking it. We wasn't using Twitter or Facebook or Instagram as a soundboard to kind of air it out, but we kind of saw it happening. This advancement in HBCU athletics is very new, particularly for yeah. schools that are not of the South South. Like yeah. the Southern schools, they've been on it. Yeah. The Gramlins, the Texas, yeah. they, they've been there. on it. In fact, they've been on it. They've been like, but for Howard's, the Hamptons, Dell States, all of them, this is very new. The idea of like, let's attract the top, whatever, that's new. So unfortunately, the world is watching us figure this out as we go along. As we go along. Going yeah. publicly is yeah. very much so difficult. Yeah. Hillary, I'm yeah. going to give you the last word before we close out on this one. Well. Since you've, you've talked about, like, poor people. You've talked about, <laughs> oh, like, unqualified well, so people. I, I did want to interject and just say that I think Deion Sanders and Ed Reed are very much so two different animals. Mm. Okay. How Ed so? Reed came unglued. He, he was not, to me, he proved that he is not, he was not the right leader for the job. I mean, you, you're going to take on all of these black men who actually need a true leader, somebody whose footing is, is firmly planted in a lot of different spaces mm -hmm. to grow them, like, in ways that a lot of them may have never been exposed to. And for him to come on TV and come unglued like that, we have to vet our leadership just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I get exactly what you said. I was going to speak to the fact that it's very difficult to grow publicly because systems are not something that we thrive in. Creating systemic things is not our lane. Mm -hmm. That's something that we're having to like- We are used to adapting within yes, systems rather absolutely. than creating systems. So now we're creating our own and it's very difficult. So I think that there should be you know, some grace in some ways. Well, here's what I got to say as we close out. I want to see that same energy for anybody who had smoke about HBCUs and what they should be doing. Mm -hmm. Show me where you've written a check. Show me mm -hmm. where the receipts are. I don't want to hear what you have to say if you're not willing to be part of the solution because to Hillary's point, there are a lot of people who are about the critique, but not about that work. But we are about that work. And so that's going to bring us to our next segment of rules and engagement. But before we get there, before we get 
to everybody's favorite spicy part of today's conversation. Do yourself a favor, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit that share button at the bottom of the screen. If you are watching us on YouTube, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, on Apple, wherever podcasts are heard, make sure you are subscribed, make sure you're registered, and make sure you are sharing the Charles Coleman Podcast, your new home for black brilliance. We'll be right back. This is Rules of Engagement, our conversation about relationships, sex, and love on the Charles Coleman Podcast. Got a good one tonight, super excited. Before we get into it, make sure you do yourself a favor, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button at the bottom of the screen if you're watching us on YouTube. And of course, if you're streaming us wherever podcasts are heard, that's Apple Music, that's Pandora, that's Spotify, we're everywhere like air, the Charles Coleman Podcast, all the way up in hyperspace. So come get with us at the new home for Black Brilliance. Super excited about tonight's conversation. I've got two of my favorite Dream Team members on the couch with me, sitting in the back. Of course, to my right, we've got the lady in black with the red shoes. I love the look. The things is thing in. Gloria Sherubin is in the building, the boss of 593 Washington. How you doing? Good, I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing well. I love the earrings. Oh, thank you. Every time you wear them, they're really glittery. I love the, I love it. <laughs> and then to my left, of course, you already know what it is. Understated but never underrated, my man. Cashmere Kirk Pullen is in the building. Yeah. <laughs> My man, 50 grand. Uh, tonight's a good one. We're going to have a conversation about, this is a relationship conversation. So, you know, you got love, you know, we got sex, and we got relationships. This is a relationship one. There's a lot of conversation. I'm not going to air anybody out, but everybody probably knows by this point. There's a certain somebody whose wife went on like a month-long girl's trip to an exotic place. Mm. And homeboy was getting killed. He was getting killed on the net by guys mostly who was like, yo, come on, fam. Like, enough's enough. Enough? <laughs> no, enough's <laughs> enough. You got to sign. Like, you took an L. Like, this was a really bad L. And it got me to thinking when you're in a relationship, you know, there's always a funny line about, you know, people talk about, yo, men saying to women, for example, you can't wear that when you go out or women saying to men, you ain't wearing these gray sweatpants out looking like a slut in the streets. But all jokes aside, is there ever a space where you can tell your partner, nah, you're not going on that vacation. You're not going to that place. You're not going with those people or you ain't going for that long. Like, do you ever, is there ever, like in real life, I know we joke about it, but like, is there ever a space where you feel like you have that sort of dominion over your partner. I mean, yes. I know no. you. Th I knew you thought you did. <laughs> I knew you was going to say. I mean, say I that. think it's healthy for you to have vacations with your friends, married or not. I think there should be a, a marriage vacation. Okay. There should be a family vacation, and then there should be vacations where you separate and go and have vacations with your friends. Okay. Right now, if your vacation always in Dominican Republic, we have a problem. You know what Why? I'm saying? Because we know what happens when black men go to Dominican Republic. Yo, that's wild fragrant. No, it's, that it's, is it's flagrant. The truth. It's the that truth. is flagrant. Certain places, if you go into Brazil, every year we got to talk about it. Okay, it's, that's this is a situation. Just because they're doing it, if they are doing it, which they might not We're be doing it. We're all doing it. Don't act like, it, no, there's, there's too much temptation. That doesn't Do you sense. want him to lie, though? Would I you don't want him to lie. I don't want him to go. I want him to go somewhere. That's more balanced. But if they're going, if the if the trips is where they're, that's their All one right. annual no, trip. No, that's too much. It's not. It's so not. you're going to beef or you're going to leave? 
You're not going. Is this the bottom line? What you? What is that? What does that? What does that mean? Like I'm you, burning your passport? <laughs> wow. wow! It's getting crazy. You're mm. not going. You, you do. You, do you feel like number one? Do you feel like you should have that sort of say? Number two, how would you respond to the pressure? Um, I think I was all for it until you used the word dominion. I think that's what kind of changed my opinion a little bit. Um, would I voice how I feel about it? Absolutely. I think that's appropriate. Yeah, but um, I don't think I have dominion or I rule my relationship to where I can kind of stop or start. So she anything. going, she going, and she just got to deal with you, how you feel when you get back. Nah. No, nah, I'm not saying that neither. Okay. I'm, I'm saying, um, I don't know what I'm saying, to be honest with you, because can she go for 20 days? Absolutely not. But I really am asking, what's the penalty? Because what you're saying to me, uh, and I'm being serious. What I'm saying is that no, no, okay, hold on, hold on. we know why we, I'm picking these spaces. I know, I understand. Right? But so, what I'm saying to you is that you feel, I just want to be clear, you are saying that yeah. as a grown individual, you can tell, you believe that you should be able to tell another grown individual who you did not give birth to where they can go and where they can't go. You what believe I'm, that. What I'm saying is that- if if That's a yes or no. Listen to me. I'm, it's I'm, a yes or no. We are not in the court of law. I just want to know. Do you believe that? That's a yes or no question. Do you believe that you have the right to tell another grown person where they can and cannot go? Yes. Yes. You think so? No, yes. she's saying Oh, yes. yeah. She's definitely saying yes. I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes. Yes, I can say you can't what go gives there. you the balls. I'm saying it's it's clear that it's gonna make me unhappy, and I'm gonna tell you. I ain't saying you couldn't be unhappy about. But it. I'm gonna tell you, you can't go there, and if you go there, it's gonna be consequences. Yeah, we talking about somebody you spend your life with, right? So if we share a life. I have just amount much right to say you can't go as much as you got the the ability to say you want to go. Right. I understand that, but I guess my thing is th that that part of it is only relative to the extent that somebody wants to exercise it. Because mm -hmm. for you, it might not be a thing. You want to go to, we talked about uh, the, the male prostitution, the male sex workers in, in on the continent. You want to go out there? If that's where you want to go, you, you're not, you're not going to tell me that that's why you're going. But if that's where you want to go, you want to go to Jamaica and Selwyn is walking around, you know, swinging on the beach. I'm, I'm not getting involved in that conversation. So... In terms of like trying to make it a two-way street. A female DR is what you're saying? Yeah, or whatever, right? Like you want to go and you get your groove back trip. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not making that a conversation. So the two-way street piece doesn't always work. I just think it's really ballsy for you to tell another grown, grown adult, yo, you can't go to this place. If we are in a committed relationship, I think that that is fair ground. Can he tell you what yes, to wear? he can tell me. He can tell you, yo, don't go out the house or that? He could tell me not to go to that country where the Selvin is at. And he's swinging it too big. He can say that, but <laughs> swinging it too big. <laughs> swinging it too big. Yes, he can say that. Can he tell you what to wear? I mean, he could tell me that something might make him feel uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? Whether I would change, I might consider it. Yeah. So I think it's a matter of express. I think you have a right to feel how you want to feel. I think you can be uncomfortable. I think you can say. I'm not comfortable with that. But, I, I don't think I can tell a person, a partner, a woman, a grown ass woman, yo, you can't go there. If you got what that, I look like, but see, dude, look how you keep saying it. You keep saying it so aggressively. Like 
Someone's gonna no. be like, yo, you can't Hold go on. there. You can't go. You like, can't go there. I, I said it soft. Is that better? It's better. It's a lot better. It's a lot really? Better. Yeah. Yes. And if you go, I ain't paying this shit next month. Right. Now, you make a decision. You grown. <laughs> right. That's like financial abuse is what so, they right. call it. What, what's the emotional abuse? Is she gone 20 days? What's that one? <laughs> what am I dealing with then? Huh? Such a exactly. Today. Yo, so we we apologize. It's just you know you've been a, you've been a lot of jokes, bro. <laughs> um, I I just I feel like it's okay for, but, and the reason why I, I'm I'm kind of having this conversation is because I think that there is an important discussion about like lines and boundaries in relationships, and I think that people still have to be able to have a certain level of agency and adulthood and personhood in a space. It doesn't mean that you have to like everything that your partner does. It doesn't mean that you have to be silent about everything that your partner does. But I think your partner still has the right to do what they have, what they want to do. I don't believe that. Wow. I mean, you you can I always think, do whatever. And now, granted, I'm the, of all three of us, I'm the furthest away from marriage. You're on the other side. You're currently in it than mm-hmm. anyone. So maybe maybe this is just the per- perspective of someone who hasn't been in that space. Yes. I think that shit is wild to me. That's probably why you probably, have not yeah. been married. There's a certain level of individualism. I'm just saying that at the end of you got to give that up. You have to because abandon. if we marry, so, then you telling me you going to DR. We not you not. Hold on, no hold more. on. I'm thinking about this shit. When you come back, we not married no more. You not married no more. No, not if you going to DR because DR is for dudes that want to smash yeah. all them Spanish girls. But what if okay, cats, cats ran their mouth too much, man? Right, they don't came. The jig is up, kid. You if you want to go, go down that marriage road, you got to understand it's no longer about you. It's you about go to Haiti. In all things, <laughs> you gotta go on the other side of the island. You can't go to DR. So, so you, <laughs> it's over. Don't do it. So, you feel like you could tell, you feel like your wife could tell you, you can't go there. Nah, I don't feel that way. Or you don't feel that way. Me, I don't feel that way. But my life shows that I, I, I have to feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's the conflict. Well, how does that, how does that work? <laughs> Marriage is all crazy, yo. None, none of it makes sense. Okay, well then, yeah. at least that helps. So like, yeah, that's it. None it of this just, shit makes sense. It does make sense. Nah. You pay everything, you look crazy, you show up. You, you just, it's nuts. Don't do it. <laughs> don't, don't. don't do it. Well, I don't know how much help either of you all were in solving that issue in terms of answering the question, but I do think it's a provocative one, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. I want to hear what you guys have to say, so if you have a comment, leave it downstairs. Leave it for us on YouTube. We check those things, we read them, and we will respond. Of course, you can also find us on the socials. This has been another edition of Rules and Engagement on the Charles Coleman Podcast. My name is Charles Coleman. That's Kashmir Kirk Quillen, and this is Gloria Sherubin. We'll see you next Wednesday on the new home for Black Brilliance, the Charles Coleman Podcast. Peace.